Midway USA brand product designers have one straightforward goal. Develop high-quality, technically sound products and deliver them to customers at reasonable prices. If you are immersed in the shooting sports industry and pay close attention to every single detail, you know our products are built right and stand up to everyday use. Who has shooting mats and range bag systems to hunting clothing and just about everything for the outdoors? Log on and shop 24-7 with super-fast shipping. MidwayUSA.com The 1911 is one of the most iconic firearms in history. Designed by John Browning, the 1911 was the standard-issue sidearm of the U.S. military from 1911 to 1985. While Colt produced the original, almost every major firearm company has produced its own version. It's wildly revered for its reliability, crisp trigger, and is still a favorite for all types of shooters. Whether you're looking to buy or build a 1911 and just about everything for guns, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Here we go, boys. Go. Hey. Ooh, I love that sound. This is a good one. Welcome, everybody, to the Full Scale Outdoors Podcast. I am Dale Luganbill. Here is your current weekend recap and rant. Actually, before I get into that, let me hit you with this. If you got a beard, think about growing a beard, you don't like the way your beard's growing, check out thebeardstruggle.com. I've recently started using their product, and I didn't think I would be the kind of guy to use beard products, but hey, look, here I am, and uh, I'm going to be honest with you, I love it. I actually do um, kind of torn this time of year. I usually have already shaved off my winter beard and gone to my summer face, my goat, summer goatee. I'm liking the way my beard feels now. It's, it's soft. It's like everything's where it's supposed to be. Um, having a hard time hitting the clippers as I, I'm kind of really digging my beard right now. Um I might I'll probably still do it. I mean, I could still use the product on the goat part of it. So, uh, I don't know. I'm liking it. I'm digging it. So, um, check it out. If you got a beard, uh, I highly recommend it. The this stuff is awesome. So, go to thebeardstruggle.com at checkout. Use code FULLSCALE15 to save yourself 15% off. So, there you go. All right, let's get into the recap and rant. Uh, we went down to Alma, Wisconsin. The wife and I had a little uh, anniversary getaway. Usually we travel to a different state that we haven't been to. Uh, but this year, obviously with COVID, that's not going to happen. So we did that. We have a friend of ours has a VRBO on there. He was kind enough to let us stay, and it was great. Uh, didn't actually do, like, a ton, ton of fishing. I mean, I brought the boat down there, um, but, you know, it was an anniversary thing. So it's not like I was going to be gone from sun up to sundown fishing um you know spent some time with the wife and then you know she likes to read and that's so when she had kind of her downtime i'd take off and uh i'd go fishing now this is totally new for me um we're out we were on pool four of the mississippi river and it's just i'm not well i know nothing of it i mean i've i don't know that i've ever been on this stretch of water in my life uh and it's a different deal man it's just First of all, you gotta be real careful where you're going because it goes from, you know, the main channel, 30 feet or whatever, more to like nothing 
real quick. So get if you're not good at reading water, <laughs> uh, be real, 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 real careful. Thankfully, the boat, the Ranger, you know, it can go pretty skinny, but you definitely don't want to do it, you know, uh, wide open on plane. Uh, it's going to be some problems. So, you know, I go through a sketchy area. I go slow, and I trimmed up, trimmed way up. And um, thankfully, I didn't have any problems, but uh, I could see how you could get into trouble real easy. Uh, so anyways, I get out there, and uh, I mean, I grew up fishing rivers, but not big rivers. And I know big rivers are supposed to fish like little rivers just on a, you know, grander scale, um, you know, with current breaks and pools and, and turns and, and um, riffles and stuff like that. All those things, runs, riffle run pool, I think is how it, how it goes. Uh, that still happens. It's just a spread out over, you know, a couple miles, not, you know, a few hundred yards. So anyways, I start fishing and uh, pretty much right where the house is at and it didn't take me long. I caught uh, a couple of smallmouth bass right away, which was cool. Um, but I kind of, oddly enough, you know, most of the time I'm going to favor smallmouth over largemouth, but I'm fairly confident in my ability to find smallmouth on a river system. I was kind of more looking for the challenge of finding largemouth bass down there because I'd never done it. And it, uh, it was definitely a challenge. So I didn't end up catching any for the first few days. I continued to catch smallmouth and northerns. We even caught walleye. Um, so it was it's just different, you know, and in the back of my mind, I was thinking about going into these these certain areas, but things like advice people had given me was kind of steering me away from that. So I kind of fished the riprap, uh, breaks, uh, sandbars, stuff like that. And that made sense to me, but for catching smallmouth, which I did, uh, when really I was kind of thinking, I need to get back like in the in the slop. I mean, there wasn't really any slop because nothing is the weeds haven't really grown up yet. But you could kind of see where they're at. But where they're at is in like no water. I mean, it's like crazy. And uh, so I, you know, a couple days, and I like I said, I didn't fish for hours and hours and hours at a time. It'd be like two, maybe three hours tops at a crack. And then go back in, spend some time with the wife. But um, so, anyways, the first couple of days down there, yielded some bass and some northern, something crazy. And then one day we decided to take a, a little bit of a drive, and we went across the bridge over to uh, Whitewater, the Whitewater River. I thought, well, I'll go do some trout fishing. It's super windy that day, so I was like, I don't really want to be out on the main river uh, in the boat, anyways. So, and you know, wife likes to get out and go for a drive, so that's what we did. And uh, she stayed back in the truck reading a book, and I hiked down to the river. Now, last week, I talked about maybe doing, um, you know, trout fishing and doing some foraging, finding some ramps and finding some morel mushrooms. A um, little early on the morels. I know some, I'm getting some reports of people finding morels um, throughout the state, actually kind of pretty sporadic. But it, we are just entering the season. I know it's like prime time right now in, like, uh, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, they're they're finding them. So we're a couple weeks away here, I think. And actually, this next week's supposed to be relatively cool, so that might slow things down. Um, you know, oddly enough, the it's kind of an early spring, but early spring, late spring. Even if you go back to last year, like kind of a later spring. You know, you can almost go off of the calendar for when we're going to have morel mushrooms here in Minnesota, and it's almost like prime time is almost always middle of May, 
you know, in the end of May. I'm usually always still picking summer elm mushrooms on Memorial Weekend. I actually don't have a memory where I'm not. So um, it's weird how I just think by this, by just because of the calendar and where the sun is and the angle, it's like no matter how hard winter holds on to, by that time, by middle of May calendar year, you know, it's going to be warm. The soil is going to warm up and, uh, and the mushrooms will be there. So I think we're a little bit, we're right there. So this weekend, you know, obviously we're going to see more and more reports. I'll be busy this weekend. I won't be able to do much foraging, if any. Um, but if I can sneak some time out, I'll try to get out there and poke around um, and see what I can find. But anyway, so we go. I go do that, and I have this cool little travel route that I bought. Because usually when we do our anniversary trips, we go to, like, a different state. And so I don't want to bring, like, a shit ton of tackle. Usually wherever I go, I try to, you know, do something outdoorsy. And so I, um, I got this Daiwa like uh, travel rod. It's, I think it's a five piece rod actually. So break down, breaks down really small has a, a Daiwa reel in it, open face reel and, and a little tiny tackle box. So all goes in this like soft sided case. I dig it. That'd be kind of something to just like keep in the truck at all times, except for, uh, I'm not crazy about the soft sided part of it as it's, you know, it's, it's in foam, but I don't know. I, uh, man, I just don't know. So I think I, I should get like a Pelican case or something hard case and then cut it to customize it to fit that rod. Then I could, and then I'd be even more confident when I travel, you know, throw it in my, uh, check luggage. I, I know it wouldn't be into 10 pieces by the time I got it back, you know, after the airports are done kicking it around. Uh, but anyway, so I had that and, uh, don't have, the reason I bring that up is because I don't have a ton of lures in there. I just have like a handful of Panther Martin spinners, um, some small little like Panther size jigs, and then, uh, had one, uh, small size Husky jerk. And so I start with the Panther Martin spinner and I get there and, uh, I actually start raising fish right away, but they're they're missing it. And then I end up catching a, a small keeper. He goes in the creel. And I keep going, and I get this one pool, and I'm getting some better fish. Like a lot better fish are kind of raising. They're kind of taking shots at it, but they're not really committing to it. So I'm like, well, that's better fish. So I took the spinner off, and I put that rapple on there, cast that out there, and they reacted way better to that. They, they were coming after it but missing it. Had one, like, actually chase it you know, out of the pool, but he just, he just kept missing it. And so I kind of knew it was just a matter of getting the right drift. And I finally got that right drift and I caught a, a pretty decent Brown in, in my opinion. I mean, it wasn't like a 30 inch, you know, giant Lake Michigan one or anything like that, but I was probably, you know, I was probably 16 inches, maybe pushing 17. Was, I thought it was pretty decent, pretty decent fish. And uh, so that goes into the creel. And uh, unfortunately, not long after that, said lure gets hooked on a submerged log, a place where I could not wait out to get it. And uh, yeah, that was that. So back to the Panther Martin, and then the same pattern repeated itself. Uh, fish would kind of chase it but not commit to it. I did end up catching a couple more uh, smaller ones that weren't big enough to keep. And, uh, and that was that. I really only planned to fish for a couple hours. And uh, so kind of fished my way back with the lure that wasn't working. And uh, that's, you can, you know, pretty much guess how that panned out. Yeah, I didn't catch anything else. And so anyways, but I was happy. I was able to get uh, a couple trout to bring home. Um, now, I didn't have time 
to do the forage thing. Because in a perfect world, I catch trout, I find morel mushrooms, I, I find ramps, I cook myself a nice meal. Uh, but because I had the wife with me, I didn't have enough time to do all of that. So still plenty of time. Like I said, the morels are, are just kind of starting, getting into the very, very beginning stages of the season. So this coming weekend, I won't be able to do it, but hopefully maybe I can steal a day during the week or the that following weekend, maybe I'll take a day and, and commit to doing just that. So that would be that would be pretty cool. So then we had one more day on the river on the Mississippi, um, but I relaxed. I didn't get up right away and fish, and then uh, so I just had like I don't know a little over an hour to kill uh, before we had to leave. So I'm like, ah, eh, I'm gonna go out one more time, which is what I did. And so I went out, and then that nagging voice that was kind of telling me to go to these really shallow areas that I'd kind of been ignoring, going off of other people's uh, recommendations. I went back in there. First thing I found, like, this is super shallow water, like, from none to about five feet. But the five feet was pretty rare. I'd say average depth was between two and three feet, so pretty dang shallow. And there wasn't really any weed growth yet, new weed growth, but you could see where the weeds would be growing in the summer. And, man, those things were just shit stacked with, with little pike. I mean, they were everywhere. I caught so many of those, which gave me some action, but it wasn't obviously wasn't what I was looking for. But I get to a, a stereotypical spot, like just like screams largemouth bass. There's like this wood stump. It's casting a nice big shadow. I cast out there. I'm using the swim jig, and boom, I get hit right away. And I just knew right away it was a bass and not a pike by the way it hit, by the way it fought. And I was like, oh, yeah, give me a jump, nice little guy. And uh, so I get him up, snap a little selfie, put him back, and I was, and then I get a text from the wife. It's time to pack up and go. It's like, why is it always right at the end? You kind of put the pattern together. Uh, but the lesson to be learned there is to listen to that voice. Like, it was kind of telling me to do that earlier in the week, and I just, you know, because I had no personal experience on that, I was giving myself into, you know, other people's experience and the, and the recommendations and tips that I'd been getting from other people that have fished down there. And uh, they held fish, but they were held in the smallmouth bass. I know it's weird that I was actually targeting largemouth, but whatever, deal with it. It's just because that was a different thing. I knew how to catch smallmouth bass, so I didn't want to, you know, like the challenge for me was to find largemouth bass on this river system, and I like a good challenge, so that's what I did. And uh Happy that I actually kind of figured it out. But that was that. So there's your recap. Uh, what did you guys do? Uh, you know, jump on the Full Scale Outdoors uh, group page on Facebook and uh, give me some fishing reports. Throw me some pictures. I'm seeing more and more people killing turkeys, so that's cool. That that uh, season's still going. Boy, I got to say my season is probably going to be over with that. I just don't know how many times, you know, with my – with the available time I have to outdoor recreate, I don't know how much more time I can give the turkey hunting. I've already given it way more time than I usually do. Uh, so, yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'll steal another few hours away and give it give it a, another shot. Um, but chances are I'll probably be fishing if I get any free time, if we're being honest. So, eh, you know what? It is what it is. So for the rant this week... I had a thought that was it, it, like it wasn't going to be a rant. It was going to be more of like a pondering or a question, like a what if. 
And then in researching that what if, I kind of stumbled upon a rant. Um, so you'll you'll get what I mean as I get into it. But I was thinking, you know, with this, you know, travels down, the Canadian border's closed, we can't go back and forth. And this time of year, normally people would be doing spring bear hunts. And spring bear hunting in Canada is huge. Uh, like in Ontario alone, like $40 million huge as like an economic driver for these like northern and uh, rural communities. Like that's a big deal, especially this time of year. You know, that little influx before people start going up there uh, for the fishing camps and all that stuff. So, it, man, it really spreads out like their season and brings in a, a shit ton of that money. And that's just the bear hunting is the $40 million. That doesn't even take into account the money they're going to lose uh, for the fishing resorts. And I just, man, do I feel crappy for him? You know, like it just, uh, that just sucks. And, um, but my, my quandary wasn't so much the economic thing. Like that's, that's kind of obvious. What I was wondering is like, what is this going to, what's the ecological impact of this? So I wanted to look into the numbers. And so I found out that in Ontario, the uh, average harvest is about 20,000 bears. Like, that that seems like a pretty big number. Now, that's only about 5% of the harvest is, is actually less. It's usually like the maximum harvest per year is less than 5% of that 20,000. 20, so um, the bear population is uh, doing just fine. Now, what I got to thinking is like, so even though it's less than 5% of the overall harvest, there's still decent numbers, a decent number of bears in, you know, in total. What is that impact going to look like? Uh, you know, I know in general, you know, we're killing and you try to kill boars, not sows. It's actually legal to shoot a sow if she has cubs with her. Um, so it just doesn't really happen that often. And so you're only dealing with these males. But I'm wondering, like, are you going to have more, like, problem bears we're gonna have more run-ins with bears and people because there's just there's that many more or we'll not really see that impact for a couple years like hopefully this doesn't last you know and through next year Uh, bears you know they breed every other year because they when they have a cub they keep that cub for like i think it's like 18 months or something so you know the sow is not having a cub every year it's like every other year she has a new cub or cubs or whatever so you know, overall population might not spike that much unless we lose two full seasons. Then then, then I would kind of think you might see an impact. But with the, you know, even with it's not a total population impact, I can see that maybe these problem bears, those are going to go up. Because even here, you know, down the States, you know, I've been hearing things about how people are seeing more of a, like bobcats and coyotes in like suburban areas because as we're just not traveling around, you know, we're sheltered in place. We're just not we're not out and about. So like the wildlife's getting a little more comfortable, you know, coming in from the edges and out of the shadows. And I I have to assume that the same thing is going to happen with bears. Like they're just going to get, you know, more and more used to, you know, traveling down a road because there's less you know, less traffic. I mean, it's just, so it's going to be interesting to see. And I tried to find an article that maybe that would kind of show me those numbers or somebody else might have this, this question and might, you know, kind of forecast what the um, effect 
of of not having the spring bear hunt. Now they are still having a, a spring hunt, but it's for residents only. So I mean, but there's a ton of non-residents, you know. And, when, and these articles that I did read, they did say the vast majority of people are coming up from the lower 48 to hunt bears. So there's definitely going to be some sort of impact, and it'll be interesting to see what that impact will be. So that was the question that I was kind of thinking. Um, but in in looking for that, I stumbled upon this article, and this is where the rant's going to come in. This is on thestar.com, and uh, it's the big debate. Should there be a spring bear hunt? And this was of, uh, February 25th, 2020. Now, it has a thing where you can vote yes or no on it, and you click no, and it brings you down to the no Um click yes and brings you to the yes so it's actually pretty fair i feel like a a fair and balanced um article but with that said um boy once you get down to the the comments it's just ridiculous you know it's interesting the way the way it it's laid out though um because obviously i i clicked yes and that brings me to you know this the stuff that is promoting uh keeping a spring hunt and it it's filled with facts and stuff from the Ministry of Natural Resource and Forestry. Um, you know, it's so this one here. So I had like less than five percent. This one actually states that um, less than only about ten percent of the province's bear population, which is estimated between eighty-five thousand and hundred five thousand bears, can sustainably be harvested every year. Well, can so ten percent can be maybe it's still accurate. Ten percent can be, but it's less than five percent are actually getting harvested. That probably is true, actually. Um, yeah. So and that's you know that's that's overall that's not just the spring. I would think the spring has the lion's share of the harvest, but I don't find that here. Um, but it talks about you know um, claims that cub you know cub mortality like if you shoot a a sow and then the cub is left to fend for itself and hey we've already determined that that's illegal and it talks about that in this article too and it's regulated and it it has the numbers about how much more like vehicle mortality there is natural mortality you know just from boars killing cubs and and killing sows um that happens all the time and there's just hunters killing sows with cubs is just extremely rare and is not really uh, a problem. And so, you know, it's, there's a fine. I mean, it's regulated. You're not supposed to do it. So it just doesn't, it just doesn't happen. It's super rare. But when you click, no, there shouldn't be one, you know, it just, it like jumps down the article to the arguments for no, there shouldn't be. And, I find it, the interesting part of this is that all the stuff that the Yes article talked about with science and actual numbers, they bring up in this one. So it's like the answers are in the same article that tell you that your con- your concerns about it aren't warranted. Um, but the way this – by clicking yes or no and it brings you to that article – like you're not hearing the other argument. So, and this is completely um, 
evident when you get down into the comments. So I can't see. I'm scrolling through this site right now. I gotta. I have to uh, vote. So I'm gonna say yes. It's an effective plan to manage the population. And the other one says no. One bullet can kill an entire bear family, which I don't know. That seems a little uh, fantastical, and people could you know kind of pull on the heartstrings. But the problem is, so I click on that and. No is kicking yes's ass. So no one bullet can kill an entire bear family is at 64.9%. And yes, it's an effective plan to manage the population is at 35.1%. That's that's so not good. I mean, it's just there's so many, like, it's so much ignorance out there. And that's when you go into the um, results. You start getting down into the comment section. And it's... Well, this is the perfect one. The very first one I read, it's from two months ago. Ethan says, I'm just going to put my response into a simple term. No, this shouldn't exist. Oh, well, thank you, Ethan. That's That was a great, well-thought-out response, and uh, your argument is very compelling, and I think I will change my vote now because of it. Dipshit. Uh, but the vast majority of these comments on here are just like that. Like, it's just ridiculous. Jillian, there should not be a bear hunt. How dare we as humans think that this planet is only for us and no wildlife? I love this part. We kill enough animals daily for consumption and to wear. Enough is enough. These animals' lives matter. So Jillian is 100% okay with uh, factory farms and, uh, you know, housing animals in substandard conditions. That's fine. Uh, But going out and attempting to harvest a wild animal that that's where she's drawn the line see that that's that's a problem when the vast majority what did i say less than five percent of twenty thousand bears are harvested so 95 plus percent of those bears uh live a wonderful life natural as nature can be uh it's not frolicking through the flowers as disney would have you believe it's uh rather brutal but it's still free, and that's the way it is in Jillian's in Jillian's world. They're animals; those lives matter. Um, she would rather it be a hundred percent mortality rate because she's like, let's just keep the, the 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 animals we kill for consumption. Let's just keep doing that. And I'm pretty sure I don't need uh, uh, a ton of stats uh, to prove to me that you know about a hundred percent of pigs raised for slaughter uh, actually get slaughtered so I'll, I'll take if I have to come if I die and I come back I'm gonna take my chances as a wild bear versus a domestic pig how about that let's do that so Yvonne says why is that there get rid of it absolutely no it's bad enough that the fair share of fall bear hunt leaves behind many orphaned cubs to starve to death over the winter months completely unfounded if you read the other article, which I'm guessing these people haven't. I cannot comprehend the MNR justification for a spring bear hunt. Now, actually, I believe that, Yvonne. I, I actually believe you You actually do not have the ability to comprehend it. I, I think you're right. And then finally, Craig comes in and says, make decisions based on science, research, and data, not emotion stemming from a Disney mindset. Then, more important than proper laws is the enforcement of those laws, as with anything, that is what ends up lacking. But even with that, as it's enforced as it is, you're still people not people killing um, 
solace with Cubs, as we've already determined, is just extremely rare and it's not going to have any impact on the population. So, you know, that's just bullshit. But right back into it. And the barbaric bear hunt. What a disgrace, Mark says. Susan, absolutely not. We are eradicating all other species. We're eradicating all other species. Did Did you guys know that? I didn't know that. Like, literally, we're eradicating them. Like, there won't be anything less. It's just going to be people. Just people walking around uh, eating, you know, the fantastic burger or the amazing, whatever that fake meat burger is. You know what I mean? Like, this is, what the hell? It's, we're eradicating. Could you be a little more hyperbolic there, Susan? The only species that needs culling is ours. Ooh, that's my favorite. I love the human loathing argument. How about this, Susan? I volunteer you as tribute. If if you really feel strongly about that one, you tell me how we're going to start calling human beings, you dolt. Uh, but then Erica, absolutely not. Having a spring bear hunt will orphan many cubs. As we already know, clearly Erica has not read the, uh, the article. Anyways, point being, although we did have a couple guys come in and uh, yell at Erica for her ridiculousness, but so that's kind of cool. Uh, my point is, you know, I've harped on this before, is that we have to be careful with our infighting as sportsmen, and uh, not that that was what I found here, but we have enough. It's an uphill battle already, and those percentages just make it as obvious as can be, 64.9 to 35.1. Um, we don't have the luxury of bitching about each other, you know, when it comes to, you know, how we harvest, you know, if it's a legal way of harvest, you know, we got to let people choose, you know, the most, I don't know, just let's say hunting with spears, you know, if you think that's terrible and it gives uh, hunting a bad name, it's not. I mean, how many people hunt with bear, with spears? I mean, it's pretty minute and I'm, I would think that nobody's going to want to go hunting with a spear unless they're fairly proficient at it. So the few people that do hunt with spears, they're probably pretty good at it. So I, w- I wouldn't really worry about it. Um, but that kind of infighting, well, we just don't have room for it. We we really don't. We have to start really helping. And I've even seen, and I think I talked about, talked about this in a previous rant, but hunters like speaking out against trapping. And that's just like, I can't. Talk about not being able to wrap your mind around it. Like, I, I, I don't even know what to say to it. Like, that's just so asinine. It, it literally leaves me dumbfounded. Um, so let's just keep that in mind as we're out and about. And you know, you know me and the fishing. I like to give walleye guys shit, and when trolling is boring or whatever, because it is. Um, but it's all in good jest. You know, I don't. I would never try to actually shut down walleye fishing. That would just be stupid. And more voices at the table. Um, so if anything, if people are listening to this, uh, not that I'll skew uh, that many votes, but uh, read the article for yourself. Like I said, it's in the star.com. Uh, you probably have to search for it. It was the February 25th, 2020 is when uh, when it was uh, released or published, if you will. Um, but it's called The Big Debate. That's the title of the article. So go on there and vote on it. Fuck it. Just bump the numbers up a little bit. Go yell at Susan. That would be funny. Susan. God. 
But anyways, uh, there is your weekend recap and rant. Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Full Scale Outdoor Podcast. I really appreciate it. Remember to rate and review it where possible on uh, Apple Podcasts. I know I'm not even sure about the other uh, platforms if you can rate and review it. But I know you can on Apple Podcasts. So if you're listening to this on Apple Podcast right now, go down, click the furthest right star. That'll give me five stars. And uh, leave a quick review. I would greatly appreciate it. As uh, always, Like if you have a question, uh, feel free to hit me up on the social media, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat. Uh, leave me a question, something you'd like me to cover as far as a rant is concerned. Let me do that. Uh, join the Facebook group, the Full Scale Outdoors group page, and uh, show me what you're killing and what you're catching. And, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of people are getting turkeys yet. I don't I don't know that I'll do any more turkey hunting this year. I'd like to think I will, but, boy, I've already given it more than I usually do. And now that the weather's warming up and it's fishing opener next weekend or this weekend in Minnesota, <sighs> Boy, if I get I get some hours put together to outdoor recreate, it that's uh, the go turkey hunting is gonna be a hard sell. I'm gonna be out there uh, trying to catch bass. That's just, if we're being honest, that's where my allegiance lies for sure. Uh, also. We are a proud member of the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. What is that? That is a group of other great outdoor-related podcasts. So wherever you find your podcast right now where you're listening to this one, uh, do a search for the Waypoint Outdoor Collective. Subscribe to that. It's another way to get this show. It's another way to um, find a ton of great content. Also, the Waypoint TV app also has the podcast on it. But more than that, like way more than that is a ton of great TV shows, movies, documentaries, stuff like that, all outdoors, you know, saltwater, freshwater, hunting, all sorts of great stuff, like good, like really good, high quality stuff. I'm not talking YouTube stuff filmed off of a GoPro or off of an iPhone. No, like this is legit produced, really good programming. So go check out the Waypoint TV app. And also my bearded brethren, my Vikings, go to thebeardstruggle.com. Buy some awesome beard products. I love it. I'm really digging it. And you can save yourself 15% at checkout. Use code FULLSCALE15, and you'll you'll get your said 15%. So there you are. All right, we'll talk to you guys later. Uh, next up is Waterfall Wednesday with Nick J. And whatever your passion, pursue that full scale. <laughs>